What up? It's Dramos from the Life as a Gringo podcast. Here to give a shout out to State Farm for proudly supporting this show and all the storytellers on the Michael Tura podcast network. State Farm values family as much as we do, and that's why they offer surprisingly great rates. So you don't have to give up doing the things you love with the folks you love. With State Farm, you'll help protect what's important to you. Together, we are committed to elevating Latino voices. It's our time to be heard about so many topics. And with help from State Farm, we can speak on things like mental health, culture, financial literacy, living life as a gringo, and so much more. State Farm supports our vision, our communities, our neighborhoods, and our people because our loved ones are just as important to them as they are to you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, a proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, New York? What's going on? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City. This is the live edition of This is America, so I want to welcome you to the program and I want to ask you a question. Whatever happened to God, country, and family? Aren't those the values that we grew up with? I mean, that's what it always was when I was a kid. But we're going to get into that and a lot of other things. I'm going to give you the phone number in a moment. It's 800-848-9222, 1-800-848-WABC. When I was a kid, there were Catholic schools everywhere. There were Boy Scout troops all over the place. Our local parish was St. Edmund's on... Ocean Avenue, and I guess that's the corner of Avenue U by the – used to be a puppy city a million years ago. And that was the thing. Today, maybe not so much. Everybody I talk to is always telling me about, oh, they're closing the school that our parish opened up you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago. They're shutting it down. And honestly, I don't necessarily want to talk about Catholic schools getting shut down. That's not the topic. It's really just more of a, a frame of mind that I want to talk about where there's a bigger issue, and the bigger issue is I think there's a lack of spirituality. I think America was once a way more spiritual place. At least Brooklyn, New York was when I was a kid. And even if you weren't Catholic, that's okay. I lived right around the corner from lots of Orthodox Jews. They were very religious. And I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just saying there was lots of shuls. There were synagogues. There were Catholic schools. There was everything. This is how it was when I grew up. Everybody, uh, you know, would... Didn't matter who you were. If something fatal happened on Ocean Avenue, let's just say, somebody got hit by a bus or something, everybody would say, oh, my God, God forbid that happens. Because God was a central thing. Today, not so much. You know, this morning I was having a conversation with my brother, who's 10 years older than me, and my daughter, who's 15. And it was an interesting conversation because we're talking about a few different things. And some of the stuff we're talking about goes into spirituality. It goes into... Um, you know, secularism, which I something I think that's really taken over a lot of our institutions and popular culture. Popular culture is by and large a very secular popular culture today. 
And I remember saying something to my brother. He was like, you know, sometimes people just need to decompress. You know, they want to, you know, some people want to go and have a, a hot toddy is what he said. Right? He said, or sometimes you want to go and you want to go to church, light a candle, you know, pray the rosary and just spend some time with God. And I looked at my kid because I felt like I needed to translate to her because this wasn't something that she ever seen people do. In her generation at 15 years old, when people freak out, what they do is they get into this tailspin and they're like, I got to call my shrink, my online shrink. Let me call my best friend, my good best friend, my bad best friend, because we have good friends and bad friends, right? We know we want to get sloppy drunk with somebody. We know which friend to call. If you if you want to get somebody to invite you to church, you know which friend to call. So it's th- that type of thing where that's where we are today. And this is not different than what's going on in politics. Now, some people are saying, well, Rich Valdez, why are we talking about this? Sounds like you're giving us. Sunday sermon instead of kicking it with this is America on a Sunday. Well, it's because we've had some loss this week and it gives you spiritual reflection points. And, you know, El Rushbo, a legend, gone. Senator Jerry Cardinale, another legend in New Jersey, OG conservative in North Jersey politics, gone. So it makes me think there's a lot going on. Somebody that's making a comeback is Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente Donald Trump. It's been announced that he's going to be at CPAC next Sunday, seven days from today. And yours truly, Rich Valdez, is also going to be at CPAC next Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. And we're going to get into that at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to talk about what's going on there. But what I want to talk about in this um, open here is what is happening in America, what is happening in New York City, and what's happening with with just people and virtue and values. You know, the founders said that the Constitution and all that fun stuff only works with a virtuous people if we give a damn. And this is very similar to like, just for example, at work. You can do well at work if you give a damn, if you care to do good at work. If your premise in showing up at work is just to show up so that you'll get paid, then you don't really give a damn other than getting paid. But if you give a damn about doing a good job, you'll do well. We saw tons of that this week with Andrew Cuomo. Now, Andrew Cuomo, he's um, one of these guys that's been held, is trying, you know, I guess the media is trying to hold him to account. Ron Kim, the state assemblyman, is trying to hold him to account. But somebody that will not hold him to account is White House spokesperson Jen Psaki, or like I like to say, Jen circle back Psaki, because she always wants to circle back. And here she didn't necessarily say to John Carl on This Week with George Stephanopoulos, she didn't say she was going to circle back. She just basically did the circle back and just didn't answer the question. And she will not condemn Cuomo for doing something. He's, you know, going from taking a victory lap to saying he's sorry about this void, this void uh, that he keeps talking about, which always makes me want to uh, go right into my Cuomo impression where I do a lot of um and ah and I get very nasally kind of and just, you know – Anyway, I want you to listen to Jen Circleback Pasaki saying that, you know, she just will not condemn Andrew Cuomo. Check this out. So does President Biden still consider Andrew Cuomo the gold standard when it comes to leadership on the pandemic? 
Well, John, we work with Governor Cuomo just like we work with governors across the country. He's also chair of the NGA. So uh, he's plays an important role uh, in ensuring that we're coordinating closely and getting assistance out to people of his state and to states across the country. And we'll continue to do that. And there, of course, will be a process. The investigations will leave that to others to determine the appropriate law enforcement authorities to determine uh, how that path is going to move uh, as we look forward. But we are going to continue to work with a range of governors, including, of course, Governor Cuomo, because we think the people of New York, the people of states across the country uh, need assistance, uh, not just to get through the pandemic, but to get through this difficult difficult economic time. And that's that's where our focus remains. All right. But Jen, my question was, does President Biden still believe that Andrew Cuomo is the gold standard, represents the gold standard on leadership during this pandemic? Just a yes or no. Does well, he John, the, the, the president... The, pre- the president... Uh, well, it doesn't always have to be a yes or no answer, John. I think the president... It doesn't have to be a yes or no answer. Well, of course not. When you're Jen Circle back Pasaki, all you do is give non-yes or no answers. That's why she's famous for saying, let me circle back. I can, I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you. But I'll circle back with you if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back with you. I'm happy to circle back with you. I can circle back. Uh, I will have to. There's a lot of circling back going on there. Now, Andrew Cuomo's not done. He had a lot of things to say, one one of which was he doesn't care. I don't care. I don't care. He does not care what people have to say. Check this out. I said to them, I'm not going to allow people to lie to the people of New York without answering them because I'm not going to allow the grief to be aggravated. I'm not going to do that. Uh I deal, I have a very thick skin. I don't know if you can see it. I don't really care what people say about me. I get politics. I agreed to uh, this nasty business because I believe I can do good things. But I'm not going to let you do nasty and cruel things to New Yorkers. That goes against my oath. And that goes against who I am. Now, yeah, he's he's I do good things. Now, when he says he does good things, he's talking about doing good things in a nasty business. So, you know, being the nastiest of them all. Andrew Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast. Now, I call him that, of course, because it was him doing evil things, doing bad things, doing good things, whatever he says, that decided who, in fact, would be essential. But now he says, because he is our knight in shining armor, that no one has a right to spread lies. Listen to this. Those false statements must be countered. They must be, or else people get confused. No one has a right to spread lies or misinformation that causes pain to families. I understand politics is a nasty business in this environment. I understand people lie. I get it. I get it. I live it every day. You sure do, sir. This is different. This was causing pain to families who lost a loved one. That's what they did. Now, that's what you did, sir. That is what you did. You caused pain to the people of New York. You have brought havoc upon the city. You've destroyed an entire generation of people, albeit an older generation, You, sir, are responsible for speeding up 
that um, dying process, and you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be investigated, and it's amazing that the outrage isn't there. And I think the outrage isn't there because we just don't give a damn the way we used to give a damn. We are have been so secularized. We have been so desensitized where we don't care about people. We don't care about families. We don't care about a lot of things, and I'm making generalities, and they're very broad. I get that. But how did we get to a place? How did we get to this time in life where we live in a world where God is no longer that 911 lever, that emergency break that you go to, where people no longer drop to their knees, and instead we've got politicians deciding the fate of our feeble, most vulnerable citizens when they're in their glory days. That's what I want to know. Give us a call, one 800 848 1-800-848-WABC. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, New York, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. And we're talking about what's going on here in New York. We're going to look at things that are happening in the Bronx. And, of course, we're going to go and talk about what's happening across the river in Jersey and what's going on with El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, uh, President Trump. But it doesn't uh, come as any surprise that people are leaving the city in droves. They don't want to live here anymore. And this COVID-19 pandemic has put people in such a bad spot, especially if you're a landlord or a homeowner in the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, or Manhattan. Grab a pen. I want you to write down this website. I think it's going to help you because, again, if you're a landlord in the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, or Manhattan, and if you're having tenant problems, this is going to help you. Has your tenant stopped paying rent? If the city's targeting your property for endless fines, violations, and you don't know who to call for help, we've got the answer. Finally, there's an organization that's here to help, the National Homeowner Landlord Association. They're in the Pelham Bay section of the Bronx. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping the small landlord. I was once a small business owner, so I get this. Being a small entrepreneur, you may want to buy a building, and then you end up getting screwed because you're trying to do the right thing by people. They have all the resources For whatever help you need, whether it's housing court, evictions, uh, the Department of Buildings, HPD violations, small claims court, civil court, property management, even maintenance and repairs. Plus, they have a network of attorneys and architects, expediters, process servers, even licensed contractors and insurance agents. Plus, they've also got certified public accountants, and they will help you get possession of your property, get the property ready to rent so you can make some money. Find you a tenant and most importantly, collect that money that's due to you by that tenant. The association will help you get your property back on track. Listen, they can even help you find a tenant and help you start making money again. If you're a landlord, go to owner landlord, excuse me, homeownerlandlord.org, homeownerlandlord.org, homeownerlandlord.org. Now, I want to talk about what's going on in the Bronx because there's an interesting story. Back in October, uh, I think it was October of 2018, a veteran Bronx educator was fired. And now she's saying that in part because – was because of her reluctance to do the Black Panther symbol from the movie Black Panther. 
And this is interesting. So this is in the New York Post. Veteran Bronx educator claims that she was fired for refusing the Black Panther salute. And this is an interesting one because you've got Randy Weingarten, who is the head of the American Federation of Teachers, saying that New York is a you know the example. It's the example, la creme de la creme, of what's going on with public education in America. And then you see something like this and it makes you think, is it really the best? I don't know. I don't want to poo-poo anybody or say anything bad. But it does beg that question. I want you to listen to uh, Randy Weingarten. She was on Meet the Press today with Chuck Todd. I want you to hear what she had to say. Is there a model school district right now that you feel as if um, you could say, hey, see, this, this, is, this is the way that this can be done and it will keep and everybody will be reasonably happy? Yes, there's a, I mean, there's no perfect solution, but frankly, I think that New York City has done a a pretty good job in terms of showing the way. Big school district, lots of issues in terms of of, um, uh, old buildings, and we learned a lot from what New York City did in September and October. And in fact, my members, I just did a survey of my membership, and 85% have said that they would be comfortable being in school if they had the kind of testing, mm-hmm. layered mitigation, like, you know, and, and vaccine prioritization. And that's what New York City is doing. So I, I want to actually lift up people like Washington, D.C. The mayor actually made sure that every um, teacher and school employee that wanted the vaccine got um, vaccinated mm-hmm. In the last few weeks, same in terms of the Oregon governor, same in terms of the West Virginia governor, same in terms of the Ohio governor. And so the the, when I hear um, politicians, when I hear Governor Newsom saying you're always going to find a way out. Well, why is he not actually prioritizing the teachers in L.A. where where they've been in purple, purple zone, not in red zone? So so we're I think the issue is if the NFL could figure out how to do this in terms of um, Uh testing and the protocols. If schools are that important, let's do it. And my members want it. They just want to be safe. Okay. All right. Well, con el mayor respeto, with all due respect, the NFL figured it out. Hold up a second. Let me clue you into some geniuses at this place called Target. They figured it out. They actually never even shut down during the pandemic. Vaccine, no vaccine. They've had probably a thousand people a day in and out, or even by by noon, they probably had a thousand people in and out. They had lines. They've got this. They've got that. Let me tell you. And guess what? I have never heard anybody's coronavirus task force, whether it be Donald Trump's or Joe El Baboso Biden. Neither one of them said that Target was, in fact, a super spreader. Matter of fact, the only way Target could become a super spreader is if Donald Trump was in Target. Other than that. Not happening. But nice try, ma'am. Very nice try saying that this is a model school district across America. I would beg to differ, but I don't want to split hairs on that. I just wanted to bring it up as a point because this is a public relations nightmare, at least a black eye in my opinion, where you get a headline that says veteran Bronx educator claims she was fired after refusing Black Panther salute. And of course, this comes out yesterday. A day before she's saying <laughs> that this is the best district that there is. And to give you a little bit of this article, it's uh, Rafaela Espinal, a Dominican-American who describes herself as Afro-Latina. And 
she's saying that they were ostracizing her to the point of termination now because she would not cross her arms the way that they do in the movie Black Panther. Now, I read some articles about this that came out in 2018 that, you know, alleged that she was not fired for that, that she was fired for not doing a good job managing her district. But the arguments also made that this has been a failing district for decades. And as such, we um, we can't say, you know, you ruined the district because it's been ruined for quite a while. So I look at this and I think, man, not good. But what she alleges is that at official gatherings of high-level Department of Education bosses, then Bronx Superintendent Misha Ross Porter often asked the group to do the arms across the chest gesture of solidarity from the mythical African nation of Wakanda. The salute is considered to be a symbol of empowerment. Now, again, Espinal, who describes herself as Afro-Latina, declined to join in and saying that she was admonished and told that it was inappropriate for her to not participate. And that's a quote, according to a Manhattan Supreme Court lawsuit that was filed on February 3rd. And this is a suit against the city chancellor, which you guys know as Richard Carranza and some of his top-ranking officials at the DOE. Now, desperate to keep her retirement benefits and health insurance, the single mom who's recently earned a doctorate eventually accepted a humiliating demotion to school investigator, a role which requires only a high school diploma and which left her with no permanent desk or phone. Porter, who was later elevated by Carranza to the post of executive superintendent, a promotion she celebrated with a lavish gala, has a Twitter timeline packed with a with a lot of group shots of Department of Education staff doing the quote-unquote Wakanda forever salute with the arms crossed like an X across their chest. One shot features Carranza, who would not manage to perform the gesture correctly in the pose, and Espinal's in that picture as well. And the article goes on and it goes on. But we're going to get to your calls. I see that there are calls, but I don't see any names. I'm going to go to Bruce in Garden City. Bruce, what's on your mind? Hey, Rich. How are you? Great show. Hello, Rich. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to chime in on your uh, comments about uh, Governor Cuomo and that people don't care or they lost faith in religion. Well, that I don't believe because all of the people who want to speak up are quieted by the protective media that's protecting him and did so all of last year when I have friends that lost their parents and grandparents, and it was a tragedy. And all I can say is I pray that Cuomo faces the same fate as Mussolini. And that's my comment for you and your audience. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that, Bruce. And, you know, it's interesting talking about Mussolini, and I've made this reference myself. And, again, I don't – I'm not making – it's a tongue-in-cheek reference that I would make to Mussolini when talking about uh, Governor Cuomo. But I do believe that his tactics are fascistic for sure. I mean he literally is like that definition of do what I say or I will hurt you. And and it's a damn shame that we have that going on. But I think you raise an important point. The times have changed. And I think it's up to us, we the people, to bring it back to what it was, to hold on to the values and, and traditions that we truly embrace or let them go and, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's up to us, right? Anyway, let's keep it moving. Let's go to Teresa in Jersey. What's on your mind, Teresa? Hi, Rick. How are you this uh, 
good Sunday evening. I'm doing great. It's not snowing. I'm not expecting snow tomorrow. <laughs> Listen, I'm doing great. I love the snow, but I've had enough. My question is this. Over the, you know, I listen every day, all the DJs, and almost every day I question all the DJs. Why isn't anyone bringing up Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf? Yeah. New Jersey Governor Murphy. What up, what up? It's Dramos from the Life as a Gringo podcast. And y'all already know, food has the power to bring people together. Whether it's takeout for two or watching the season finale of your favorite show or going to a barbecue with your peoples, both go great with an ice-cold Coca-Cola by your side. And if you can't cook, chips and dip work, especially as you listen to your go-to podcast. At Michael Tura, we know familia, friends, and community matter. That's why we aim to elevate Latino voices. So share the magic of our podcast with your friends and add a Coca-Cola to the mix because there's magic when we eat together. Coca-Cola, proud partner of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows, Like Life is a Gringo, available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's a lot of governors that I think have um, something of uh, skin in the game, if you will. But I think nobody's – A, nobody's death count from this was as high. And B, uh, Cuomo took these extraordinary steps where I think they were they were very heavy-handed in the way they did it. There's a clear trail to DeRosa and her family members that are involved. So this is one of those things – and that I think it, it just really stinks of cronyism. It stinks of poor decision-making, deadly decision-making. And I think with, with Governor Wolf, there are other considerations. I'm not defending him. Uh, I know they made similar things, but it, um, similar executive orders. But it's not one of those things. A, we're not a Pennsylvania station. So that's one of the reasons we don't cover that in that way. Uh, but B, I think nobody saw the carnage that we saw uh, but for New York and New Jersey finally caught up a little bit later. But that was, I think, because of population density and proximity to New York. But again, the, the real disaster here, the real cluster bomb was New York and its handling of this. And he could try to blame Trump. He could try to blame anybody he wants. And that's what he does. You know, the first time they said, oh, you, you didn't do a good job. Donald Trump, Donald Trump was responsible. He blamed it on Trump. Then they asked him again. And who did he blame this time? The nursing home workers ultimately saying, you know, like uh, in, in, in Rocky, if he dies, he dies, right? He, he comes down and says, people die. That's it. People die. And that's a damn shame. But you're right, Teresa. We need to look at all these governors that kind of followed his lead because he was the uh, national model. Let's go to Artie in Brooklyn. Artie, what's up, man? You're on with Rich Valdez. Yeah. Hi. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in a nursing home in uh, Brooklyn, New York, Hamilton Park. And... Uh, uh, I lost a leg here through the abuse and neglect, and I also lost a foot, left foot. Oh, my gosh, that's uh, terrible. And uh, they infected it, too, and I'm 
on antibiotics because of them. I was I came into the nursing home uh, for two to three weeks, or two to three months, I should say, uh, rehab. For rehab, And sure. I ended up being there four years already. Oh, my goodness. You know, I, I've seen that type of thing happen because there are different things that happen. Both my parents had gone for rehab at, at one place and um, at one at different times and ended up getting different type of like hospital-borne infections like uh, MRSA. MRSA is one of those that, you know, they just they swab your nose like, oh, you've got it. And it's one of the – it's a really tough bug to fight. It's a super bug they call it. It's You know, it takes tons of antibiotics to try to ultimately kill this thing. And you're right. Sometimes you go in for one thing and if the care is subpar – and I'm not saying it is. I don't know. I'm just going off of your word. It, this is one of those things that can become difficult and and I'm sorry that you're going through that. But it raises the point that we have to have the right people taking care of people and that was yet another problem that we saw where Andrew Cuomo was making these – demands for ventilators and beds and did not have staff that were trained to actually help people in that regard. So, Artie, we thank you for your call. We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more. We're going to talk about Trump making his comeback uh, to the big national stage at the Conservative Political Action Conference. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, New York City, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez. Welcome, everybody, across America listening on WABCRadio.com. Now, check this out. Donald Trump is making a comeback to the national stage. He's going to be speaking at America's largest conservative political action convention. It's really a convention, although it's known as a conference. And, you know, splitting hairs with the words. But it really is a big deal. And we're going to get into that. But speaking of Trump, I want to talk about Eric Trump. Now, Eric Trump, he's calling out Bill El Bobo de Blasio for early termination of Central Park ranks. Now, they had a contract, you know, and part of the cancel culture was, you know what, anything that the Trump organization manages, we got to get them out, whether it's the Trump Links golf course, which they've never seen that golf course look so good over there by the Throgsneck Bridge. Anyway, that's uh, that's a done deal now, I understand, as well as the Woolman Rink. Now, Eric Trump criticized New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio for terminating the operations of two Central Park ice skating rinks even before the winter was over. That's how nasty they are, saying, quote, um, de Blasio is now shutting down skating season while New York dies. It's horribly sad. He's the executive vice president of the Trump organization. Of course, you know him as Donald Trump's son, President Trump's son. And going on to say, the mayor's absolutely petty. This isn't about us. This is about the people of the city who come here to skate and disabled kids who joined hockey teams and others who joined skating school and take lessons every week. He made the remarks as the Trump Organization terminates operations at two rinks in Central Park, Wallman Rink and Lasker Rink, because New York City decided in early January to cut off the contract with Trump's businesses. Now, that's an old story. You knew that. But the Trump comments are new. And I think it's, it is petty. And four of the Trump organization's operations were targeted by this um, cancel culture deal that went through um, New York City for abrupt termination, the Central Park Carousel, the two skating rinks, and um, the Ferry Point Golf Course that I told you about, which looks terrific. So it, it, to me, it just begs the question, damn, what, what will not be politicized? What? 
I don't know. I don't know if there's anything left that will not be politicized in today's day and age. And I did promise I was going to go to President Trump. So we're going to talk about Trump now. Trump is back. El Trumpito, el presidente, the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, is set to talk about the future of the Republican Party and lessons learned in the 2020 election campaign during a speech at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. And this was confirmed late yesterday. And I had suspected this for a while. I've been at CPAC for the last few years. And um, it's a great event. I can, I can only sing their praises. It really is a great time to be around a lot of like-minded individuals. And again, these are mainly activists that are out there doing their thing. And last year, Trump gave a rousing speech. The year before, he gave a rousing speech. That year before, whatever, 2019, Trump went up there. And he, two hours and 21 minutes, only because I happened to look at my watch, he just did not stop. It's nonstop comedy, policy, expert opinion. I mean, and I say expert because he was really well-informed. He's a well-read guy. People think that he's he's uh, kind of a um, seat-of-your-pants kind of guy. I, I disagree. I think he makes very informed decisions. But that being said, Trump is back, and this is what uh, we expect him to talk about is the future of the Republican Party and what they've learned, how they're going to move forward, and how they saw President Trump bring in a record amount of African-American and Latino-American voters on the Republican side. Bigger numbers than we've seen in modern Republican presidential history. And that's a quote from Jason Miller on – let me see here. Well, I'm going to say Newsmax. I believe it was on Newsmax. So I say all of that to say is – I have the honor, the distinct honor, of sitting with uh, uh, several folks, Maj Torre, Angela Stanton King, and others, to discuss exactly that, the impact that the Make America Great Again movement had on African Americans and Hispanics across America, how we saw these numbers really increase in so many areas. And Florida is probably the best example, and I picked Florida because this conference is in Florida. So... I guess my questions to you is, did you also see this rise, this uptick in numbers with, you know, did you see more? I know I did. Lots of people that I know that weren't even involved in politics were telling me, listen, I don't care about this. I don't care about that. I feel safer under Trump. I'm making more money under Trump. Like him, hate him or otherwise, the guy was a great administrator, businessman, leader, and uh, obviously executive. He was a good president in my opinion, and what's happened is a shame. So we're going to hear what Trump envisions for the future of the Republican Party, all of that coming up. But I want to grab a couple of calls before we get into our our guest, who is uh, Assemblyman Robert Auth, 1-800-848-9222, Let's go to Ray in Brooklyn. Ray, what's going on, man? Going once, going twice. Did the deep state get to Ray? Ray, are you with us? Ray's playing with his phone. Let's go to Phil in Suffolk County. Phil, what's going on, my man? Phil, how are you, uh, Rich? I'm by. I really like you. God bless you Thank and you, your sir. family. Thank I just you. want to Likewise. say I'm Philip One L. That's how I introduce myself. Uh-huh. Now I have a few things to say. I, yes, I go so, by Valdez um, with an S. With an S, I know that's cool. <laughs> uh, but I've always introduced myself even before I listen to radio. Now I want to say that I honestly, as God is my witness, I honestly believe that he that God was using uh, President Trump as a vessel to provide uh, New York with the, uh, what was it, the the USS Comfort and also Jacob Javits. So he had made the decision, um, you know, and I don't want to keep it on Cuomo, but he had made the decision. Now, 
uh, to uh, you know send them back there when he had perfectly uh, two two perfectly good places to put them. Now, um, again, as far as my point making uh, as as the the God the fear of God has left for the most part is the world and like what you mentioned about secularism mm-hmm. and. Uh, I really believe that uh, how I use the analogy is when uh, Jesus healed the blind man and um, he put, uh, he's like, I'm the light of the world. And he put the mud on his eyes and was healed. And when the Pharisees approached him and said, well, what do you, who do you say that you are that you can heal the, uh, uh, you can heal the blind. And I am he, what that he I says am. to them, okay, what he says to them is, is, uh, uh, I came into this uh, world to give a sight to those who cannot see and take away sight from those who can. If you were blind, you would be without sin. But because you say we see, your sin remains. And uh, I, like uh, I always go to Scripture for truth, but for me, because uh, you know I'm blessed with faith, that uh, that is the whole truth. And when uh, it says that every hair on a head is numbered, and that uh, in, in uh, Proverbs, and I believe it's James, where it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. Really you know, and is. those are some great scriptures that I, I all-time favorites of mine. Phil, I thank you for your call. And if we had more than an hour, we, you and me would talk all night and have a Bible study. But you're right. I think that you know certain people are called for such a time as this. And it's one of those things where we will see how things move forward. I think uh, putting our political junkie hats on one more time, seeing what Donald Trump did with the mercy, the comfort, with the Jacob Javits, just moving these ships out, mobilizing them as fast as he could, uh, could and really just cutting through red tape the way he did in Washington uh, up to and including Operation Warp Speed to get this vaccine out into the hands of Americans and into the hands of governors so that they can handle the administration, I think was nothing short of a miracle. And I think he says that. They said it'd be a miracle, a miracle. So um, let's go to Judy in Brooklyn. Judy, you're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, Rich, you're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm serious. I wouldn't expect you to lie on the air. You're wasting. I don't like any each time. You're wasting your talents. You should be running for office, sir. Oh, you're, thank you're great. you. You're very kind. You've got great personality. Got great humor. You're you're really smart, and I love it. So let me ask you a question because I bet you would know this. What's up with Mike Pence? He yeah, you know, I think the vice president Pence is probably looking to lay low for a while. Uh, assessing his options. Clearly, uh, I don't think the blood is as bad as people think, the bad blood between him and the president. I really don't think it's that bad. But I do think it's kind of like, you know what, this is Trump's game right here. You know, he's a former president with enormous popularity. So this is his to say if he wants it or not. And everybody's kind of, you know, at the edge of their seat waiting. to What are you going to do, sir? Are you going to have a massive media empire that you're going to control or create or contribute to? Are you going to um, stay in politics and push people and primary everybody that's ever done what they shouldn't do? Which, you know, again, all things I'd vote for any one of these things. Or are you going to try and make a comeback? in 2024, which to me seems like the least uh, appealing to probably to President Trump. But I don't know. I'm not in his head. And we're going to find out, I think, uh, seven days from today at CPAC when he kind of announces what's going on in the future in the Republican Party and his plans to do that. All that being said, I think it's a, it's a big mystery. I think he has a lot of options. And everybody's waiting with bated breath to see what happens. You know, me personally, I would love to see him do like a simulcast start a TV network and do a radio show at the same time 
and potentially, you know, filling the void, uh, attempting to fill the void from 12 to 3 that El Rushbo has left across America. Of course, there's no void here in New York because we've got this is Curtis Lee from 12 to 3 right here on WABC. But that is a consideration. Now, he said he couldn't replace Rush and the truth is no one could replace Rush. But that doesn't mean that he would not be uh, good at that and I think he would be good at it. So that's a close uh, choice D in my opinion of what could happen there. But those I think are the ABC and D of what's going on with Trump. And we'll find out more what happens. And I think Pence really is a gentleman and said, you know what, I'm stepping aside. Trump's going to speak. It's probably not ideal for both of us because he may want to run for president. And we know Nikki Haley wants to run for president. So I think everybody that's, you know, in the running is saying, ah, they're going to tiptoe around things and and not do that. But anyway, keep it locked right there. Thank you, Judy. I appreciate it. 1-800-848-WABC. I'm Rich Valdez. Up next, Assemblyman Robert Auth on the life and legacy of Senator Jerry Cardinale. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. Well, I tell you, All right, New York City, welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And as promised, we are here remembering the life and legacy of Assemblyman, uh, excuse me, State Senator Jerry Cardinale. And of course, I'm thinking Assemblyman because I'm staring at Assemblyman Robert Auth. Bob Auth, how are you, sir? Rich, I'm great. Great to see you. A little bit sad. We're both sad. Absolutely. Very upset about our friend. You know, this has been a bad week for conservatives. We lost Russ Limbaugh this week, and uh, he's a great conservative, and we lost New Jersey's great conservative, Jerry Cardinale. You know, during uh, my show prep earlier before, the gentleman who was just here helping you out, we were talking about that, and I was saying, you know, Jerry Cardinale was one of those guys, very few guys, honestly, in New Jersey. People always say, how do you get a conservative like you coming out of New Jersey, Rich? And I tell them, look, we're few and far between. Scott Garrett, who you know, I worked in his office. Um, Jerry Cardinale, there was a handful, and there was others. I'm not going to sell the whole state short. There's a lot of great conservatives. But it's not, there's also a lot of moderates. And that was what New Jersey was known for. So whenever I go places nationally, people are always looking at me and say, are you like a New Jersey Republican or are you like a real conservative? <laughs> and, you know, I look at that, and, and to me, Senator Karen Cardinale was always a real conservative. He was a, a real, like they say on the street, original gangster, OG kind of guy that was about God and family and country and doing the right thing. And and that sage wisdom that he had. And, you know, right before we went on the air, we were talking about uh, the funniest story that you remembered with you and the senator. And I want you to share that with the audience. Well, I remember this is kind of an interesting story. We we were campaigning and my son was just starting to get into the uh, the campaign mode with us. He'd come out to different events. And we went to an event, and he was having a debate with uh, one of his opponents for the Senate at the time. I don't remember which one. But apparently they had come into the room and they placed uh, a playbook. It was ostensibly their entire campaign (laughs) in the book. And my son is sitting there at the table, and he just starts flipping it open, and he's looking through it and looking <laughs> through it, and he just puts it back, and he's waiting and waiting. And everybody had left. We were the last people leaving. And he goes up to Jerry. He says, uh, Senator, um, hey, listen, i got to tell you something. And, you know, he's busy and everything else, but, you know, this was the payoff of the senator. He always had time for the most, in, quote, unquote, insignificant person. And he just stopped and said, what's up, Max? And he says, uh, you know, that book over there, <laughs> he says, 
That's got their entire campaign in it. I was just reading it. He says, well, why don't you go pick that up and take that <laughs> along with us? <laughs> and we did. And, well, Jerry ultimately won. And, and that was just kind of a neat story. I mean, it was, this is reminiscent of Watergate. Yes. Well, I mean, they left it. And, well, thanks very much. And uh, it, it was a great campaign. That's great a campaign. great story. Yeah. And, uh, folks, we're on with Assemblyman Robert Auth, and that's Auth, A-U-T-H, not O-F-F, A-U-T-H. <laughs> this is radio. I know you can't hear me great, right? You can't see what I'm saying. But uh, Bob Auth is somebody that I've known. I've known for a long time, and we worked together in the Christie administration. He was at Motor Vehicles. I was at Children and Families, and he went on to become the Assemblyman in his district where Senator Cardinale was the senator. And I want you to just kind of um, walk us through your history because you were a longtime aide to him before that. That's correct. And I think maybe not everybody knows that and I'm sure outside of his family and other political allies. But you were that guy. You were his uh, – I'm going to use the word consigliere for, for <laughs> lack of a better word. We were just talking about Cuomo. So you know it's stuck in my mind. Um, if we had the side effect, I would play that Godfather music right here. But uh, Bob Auth, tell us a little bit about you know what uh, your – coming up with Cardinale was like before becoming an assemblyman, you know, being his right-hand man? Well, I met Senator Cardinale as an aggrieved constituent. That's how I met him. That's how I met our mutual friend, Russ Maffei, who passed away. God rest his soul. God rest his soul. Um, insurance in New Jersey was a total disaster under Governor Florio. And many of the insurance agents like myself who were in urban areas um, helping uh, a lot of uh, Hispanic uh, clients. I mean, my wife, you know, she's from sure. Cuba in our agency. We speak Spanish 90% of the time in our in our agency for our customers. Um, well, this whole insurance plan thing got shut down by Governor Florio and sent everybody scrambling. You couldn't find car insurance in our state. And so all these little agencies like mine were under threat of going out of business. Most of my contemporaries did. But I went into Senator Cardinale's office because I lived in Ultapan at the time, and he was my senator. And he came in and said, hi, how you doing? He sat down with me. I explained everything to him. He says, look, I can't promise help for everybody, but I'm going to help you. He didn't know me from Adam. And one thing led to another. He, he really basically saved me as a constituent. And I said, you know, any guy who does this for you, and doesn't ask for a thing, deserves my support. And that's how I started. I started going to Trenton. I started learning. Now, a lot of my uh, uh, people that are upset that I'm the assemblyman because they felt they should have been the assemblyman say, oh, he's he – Well, was, it's New Jersey. So you, you have to – it's kind of like, hey, I've, I've donated way more than you. <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting for so-and-so to die or retire, and uh, it's my turn to be coronated. Exactly, exactly. Well, oh, I had a few mayors and council people and stuff. They they felt that way. They used to accuse me, well, he's hiring his driver to, to be the the Love new it. assemblyman. You know, that is the, the, the funniest thing of all because – you spend two hours in the car going down and two hours in the car coming back. It works like this. You talk about the bills going down. You watch the action during the day, the debate and everything else. And then you deconstruct what happened on the way back. And if you do that for 25 years as a volunteer, unpaid aid, and then you go out into the district at night and see all the people out there that you need to take care of, what do you think is going to happen? You become part of that community. That's right. I mean, people come to you because they know they can get the senator's ear. They may be a little afraid. You you help 
people out. Phil is with us today. He he does that for me now. When people need something done, do you know how many unemployment claims that we've um, we've uh, settled? Out of Senator Cardinale's and my office, we share offices. He set up a, an organization and a system to take care to take care of his constituents. And par excellence, there isn't anybody that we haven't figured out a way to solve their problem between COVID, between uh, unemployment claims due to the due to COVID. I mean, there's people who have paid into unemployment for 40 years and never collected a dime. That's a shame. But the senator's office. They just took care of business. That's why he's he was as powerful as he was because he was a real people person. He's a real class act. You, sir, are a real class act. I, I wish you all of the best moving forward. I would hope that, uh, of course, we give all respect to Senator Cardinale, but as there is a void there, I hope that the appropriate leadership uh, begins to materialize, and I wish you luck in leading the charge in that direction. Everybody, this is Assemblyman Robert Auth. He is the Assemblyman of 40? 39th. 39th District in New Jersey. I am Rich Valdez. Up next, we've got Lydia Serrani coming in with the rundown. And you can listen to me tomorrow on WLIR Talk Radio 1071. Hasta la próxima. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.